It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Abby Hornacek. This is Tucker Carlson. And I'm Jessica Tarlov. This is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, February 10th, 2022. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. They say they're part of a freedom convoy protesting COVID restrictions in Canada. Critics and skeptics, including Canada's prime minister, have questioned their motives. But their protest is sparking talk of forming or the actual forming of similar convoys in other countries. The government should never be able to tell people that they have to do this because you work for me. No, the government works for us. I'm Dave Anthony. Today... We take you to a rooftop in Chicago where a pastor is camping out on a mission to lift people out of hopelessness and violence. We believe in teaching people not that you're a victim, but you can be successful. You can get up. You can become uh, the, the success story of your family, of your neighborhood. You just need people to come alongside to help you and point you in the right direction. And I'm Dr. Ben Carson. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. A convoy of truckers and their supporters last month drove into Canada's capital city, Ottawa, and have been parked in the streets protesting COVID restrictions and vaccine mandates. Canadians who are unvaccinated, including truckers, have to quarantine upon arriving in the country. And a foreign national, a U.S. trucker who is unvaccinated, is not allowed into Canada. Uh, I plan on staying here until I get my freedom back. Not until this is over and we get what we came here for. Until the little guy steps down. To the very end. I figured it'd stay, stay till the end after one day turned into five. I plan on staying until it's over. The frequent horn hawking residents had earlier heard has stopped for now per a judge's order, but the trucks remain and the protest is growing. Truckers and supporters parked up on Ambassador Bridge, a major link connecting Detroit to Windsor, Ontario, blocking traffic. And while things have been peaceful, if noisy, the truckers and supporters have been characterized in a less than flattering light by those in power. People of Ottawa don't deserve to be harassed in their own neighborhoods. They don't deserve to be confronted with the inherent violence of a swastika flying on a street corner or a Confederate flag. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau called the protesters a fringe minority. An Ottawa City Councillor claimed the most well-known radicals in the country have descended upon the capital calling for violence. An Ottawa police statement released after some arrests were made over the weekend said the arrests were mostly for mischief, which is typically associated with vandalism. Some fuel and vehicles were seized as well. This as some Canadian provinces talk about relaxing COVID restrictions. Alberta is lifting a mask mandate in schools. Saskatchewan will no longer require vaccine passports. In the meantime, the convoys inspired a similar one to start up in southern France with a plan to drive to Paris. And some American truckers and supporters are talking about starting a convoy to go from California to D.C. We're really protesting the usage of these mandates, such as the vaccine passport the mandated vaccines. So it's an affront to our freedoms. Andy is a former Canadian University IT professor. He and truck owner Mark Mino are sleeping in the back of Mino's truck during the protest. Both are unvaccinated. It's a matter of having the freedom to choose whether or not you want to put something in your body. And that's that's what it comes down to. 
And the fact that they're using these mandates to punish people who won't go along with the vaccine mandate. So people are losing jobs. It's not just college or university professors like myself. It's educators, nurses, thousands of nurses, truck drivers, federal and provincial employees. It's everybody across the board. People with families, people who have to pay their mortgages and they shouldn't have to choose between feeding their family and putting an unknown substance into their body or something they don't want to do. Andy, you are you're living in a in a truck right now with your with your yeah, brother-in-law, Mark. You are. Yeah, so uh, we've been in this truck for just 13 days now. Wow. Mark, tell me about your process. You, you are a truck driver and you joined in this protest. And um, how did you how did you find out about this? Did you join in sort of as it had happened? Were you sort of on the front end of things? I heard about it coming out of the West there. Right. And I thought about it and I got I got six grandchildren and all that, right? And I said, well, I got to do something because I need them to grow up free and have the choice to decide what they want to do, right? Trudeau just thinks he's been tearing at the fabric of Canada and, and the people and all that for the last two years plus and uh, saying, we can't do this, we can't do that. And he's driving up the prices of everything, right? You know, fuel and people can't afford this anymore, right? And we should have the right to do what we want. Um, where, where are you guys? Are you in Ottawa? Yeah, we're right on Wellington Street. If, you're, if you see a map of the Parliament Hill, Wellington Street runs right across the front of Parliament Hill. And we're just about right in front of what's called the West Block. So I can I can see the gates to the Parliament buildings from our truck here. I know that there was a lot of honking for a while. Have, has that? It sounds like that's calmed down because yeah, I think a, they, a judge got involved, right? And said no more, yeah, no more honking. Yeah. <laughs> for 10 days only. We'll yeah. be back. Okay. We'll be honking on day 11. We just, we honk, you know, because the, the people want us to honk to let them know we're here. And uh, we shut it down at a certain time so it's not to bother the people of Ottawa, right? I was going to say, yeah, has there been any talk among the organizers about rerouting? My understanding is some businesses have not had any customers basically for days because of, so of that, the that amount of there. trucks. That's, yeah. a, that's a choice of the business owners because they were told by the government and the mayor and the police chief of Ottawa not to open because because we're violent. You know, we're going to break their windows. We've been accused of all kinds of things that we've never done. And there are a couple coffee shops that have stayed open to Tim Hortons. And one of the managers at that Tim Hortons said he's made more money in the last week and a half than he did in two years. You know, the truckers go in and they help mop the bathrooms and they keep things clean. We're not here to punish Ottawa. We're here to protest against Parliament. And unfortunately, Ottawa is the capital, so that's where Parliament is. So it's just an unfortunate yeah, we just want we just want we just want Justin Trudeau to come out, stand up and talk to us and end this. Is that what it takes to end this? Is is for Justin Trudeau to come out and talk to you, or the the Prime Minister, I should say, Trudeau? Or is it more than that? Is it rescinding well, the the man the, no, the mandates no, it's basically yeah it, it starts with a conversation it doesn't end with that conversation though so we are here until certain things happen we're not trying to overthrow the government by any means uh, but we do want these mandates certain mandates to end now they're not helping they're not improving people's lives they're actually hurting people's lives and they're dividing people right, right? So these vaccine passports, they're treating one group of people as, it, as if they're lesser than the other. They can't go to restaurants. They can't go out. That's what we want to end. We just want the mandates to end. You know, if you want to take the vaccine, all power to you. 
but you should have the choice not to take it. And if you don't take it, you should not have to be punished by not allowed to go restaurants or that type of thing. I know this expanded right to shutting down Ambassador Bridge. That that um, is major uh, port connects Detroit to um, Windsor, Ontario. Um, yep. And that's part of the other part of the this story, right? This is this is growing. It's, it seems to be expanding. There is some talk, yep. though, that shutting down that bridge could also impact the economy. And we already have supply chain issues. I, again, I guess it, it, I imagine are, are you guys in support of the, the expansion of this to, to even shutting down ports like that? Well, we're in favor for it, but we, we don't want them to stop the people that want to work. That's that's not what this is about. If those guys are out there working, they're working because they want to feed their family. So they should let them through and let them do their work and deliver their loads, right? Before we came here, they asked about the food in the grocery stores. And the big grocery chain said, no, they have no shortage of food in their warehouses. They can ship all the food they need to the grocery stores. But we're not here to stop anybody from doing their job because they have our freedom of choice too, right? So let them work. Let them pass, right? Having said that, protests need to make people uncomfortable so that they start to listen, right? Some people, as long as you're comfortable and you're happy and you're not, you know, out of your comfort zone at all, you don't care. But we need Canadians to care. We need the ones that don't know what this is about to pay attention and realize that we need their support. This is for all Canadians, not just truckers, but, you know, truckers have the, are the ones that have the big voice. But I understand we're getting a lot of support from the American truckers, too. Yeah, they're actually thinking of starting their own convoy, maybe to go from California to, and I, to DC. I, I would support. I would support their convoy too. How, guys? How has I don't know exactly what cities or towns you guys both live in. Um, maybe you can share that with me. But how, based on where you've lived and what province you live in, how has pandemic life sort of been in Canada? I know for us in the states, we've had our sort of own patchwork of mask rules and proof of vaccine requirements, depending on the state or even the county that you live in, um, based on where you well, live. Is it a similar patchwork, or what's it been like? It's it's been terrible. Like my wife and I, we can't go out to the restaurants. My wife went to the hospital because she was. She had pneumonia. That's what it was. Eh? The doctor refused her service because she wasn't vaccinated. Oh, wow. And that's and that's totally that's totally wrong. There is a difference between provinces, though, and we're both in Ontario and Ontario passed some of the most strict restrictions or the strictest mandates out of most of the provinces. Other countries and many places in the U.S., as you know, are starting to relax or even drop all the restrictions. And in Canada, between both federal and provincial levels, they seem to be doubling down or even tripling down. Listen, um, just a couple more questions for you guys. The, the president of the Auto Parts Manufacturers Association in Canada was quoted as saying, the idea that a group is hiding under the profession of trucking, though unsupported by trucking associations to disrupt things is brain dead. The CBC also did a piece that said most of the trucking industry is sitting this protest or convoy out um, because most of them are vaccinated. And they quote truckers who say the real issues are shady labor practices, abysmal safety standards and missed wages. When you hear that, what do you think? What do you say to that? Well, it's a distraction. Like you really have to be careful when you hear. Well, first of all, CBC is not, in our opinion, one of the most trustworthy media i mean they get two billion a year from justin trudeau so the narrative has always got to be under question but when you talk about the trucker industry so the canadian trucking association 
represents less than 20% for sure of the Canadian trucking industry. Plus, they're huge donors to the Liberal Party. So, you know, you really have to be careful who you listen to. There's truckers all over Canada that absolutely support this. And maybe they just can't be here. This is really about just allowing people to work. And it starts with the truckers. They want to cross the border. They want to continue working. I know there's tons of American truck drivers as well that want the same thing. So what are we actually trying to protect ourselves from? Trucks have been going across the border forever. So we have to really ask ourselves, you know, are we at the point now where we can relax and drop these mandates? Because we're going to be living with these COVID uh, viruses for the rest of our days, just like we did with the flu. So we need to get on with living and, and stop this fear mongering. Well, um, is there is there anything else you guys want to say? I mean, you're, you're living in the back of a truck. I imagine it's not the most comfortable situation. And it sounds like you guys are in this for the long haul, pardon the pun. Um, so I guess what's next? Do you have anything else you sort of want to share as you well, I'm staying continue? until it's over. I'm staying here until it's over. This government needs to be held accountable. And our kids, our grandkids need to grow up with the choice to choose what's right for them. The government should never be able to tell people that they have to do this because you work for me. No, the government works for us. Just like your government, uh, U.S. government is supposed to be working for you. And we can't let Canadians down and not even Canadians, but any Canadians, Americans that are supporting us, people all around the world. This movement's become so large. And the main message we hear from people here that come and knock on the door of the truck and it's every day. Don't go home. Don't leave us. We need you. You've given us hope. So we can't let these people down. So we're here until until the end. Andy Wing, Mark Mino, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. This is Dr. Ben Carson with your Fox News commentary coming up. Chicago has been a violent place for a while. The most homicides in a quarter century last year, more than any other U.S. city. And crime keeps going up in 2022. Police department data has murder up slightly, but sexual assault and battery up 9%. Burglaries risen 23%. Theft has surged 52% with a lot of carjackings. My residents are worried about carjacking. They're worried about shootings. They're worried about all of the crime that goes unanswered and unpunished in the city of Chicago. Alderman Raymond Lopez is a Democrat who tells Fox. What we constantly hear out of Mayor Lightfoot and other politicians like her, particularly amongst my own party, is that we have to be more in favor of protecting the rights of the criminals than fighting for the justice of the victims. But some in Chicago are taking a broader look. How to stop the culture of violence. Like Pastor Corey Brooks of New Beginnings Church, who's in day 82 of a 100-day campout in a tent on a rooftop in his south side neighborhood, inviting business leaders and CEOs to join him for a night raising money you know the goal is to build a community center pastor brooks is also ceo of project hood h-o-o-d helping others obtain destiny so i tell people we have two things number one to bring the awareness to everyone about the violence on the south side of chicago i'm trying to scream from the top of my voice on this rooftop 
about the issues that we're facing every single day as it relates to the violence. Then secondly, uh, we're trying to raise as much money as possible to build a, a center on this block that's uh, the Chicago sometimes called it the most dangerous block in the city of Chicago in, in 2014. And uh, we've since tried, we're, we've been changing that. We are changing that. And uh, that's why I'm on this roof so that we can transform the community and transform the lives of these young individuals. But this is not the first time you've been you've done this. I mean, you, you've been working on this community center for a long time now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The first time uh, I went up on the roof of a motel, which is where we are right now, the same grounds where we're going to build the center. But 10 years ago to the same date that I am here now, um, 2011 on November 20th, I went up on the roof of that motel that was full of sex trafficking, gang banging, drug dealing, all kind of criminal activity. And I refused to come down until we had enough money to purchase it and tear it down and start down the path of building a community center. So uh, I was on that roof for 94 days, 94 long days, until we raised the money to, to purchase it, which we did. And we eventually tore it down. And now, ever since that day, uh, we've been working toward the effort of trying to build this community center. You are trying to get business leaders to an area they don't go, right? I mean, who, not a lot of people in Chicago are going to your neighborhood, correct? Yeah, that, that's that's said very well. That's the truth of the matter. Unfortunately, that's a true statement that, you know, there are parts of Chicago like where we are, where people don't want to visit, where people don't want to come, where it's hard to get Uber drivers to, to drive there. It's hard to get Uber Eats to deliver food. Uh, it's hard to get people who uh, we need to make investments in the community to make investments because they see this as a crime ridden area that that is hopeless. But the, the truth is that this area provides so much potential. And I tell people all the time where the worst is, that's where the best ought to show up. And so that's why we're here at Project Hood trying to transform this community so that uh, we can change it from a place where people don't want to visit to a place where people love to come. You know, I, I read some doubters who, who, who said that, Pastor, you live in an alternate reality, that, that you can do this, but it's, it's not going to make a difference that you're just going to freeze yourself out there. What do you say yeah, to those you know, people? I say to those people that there was this man who uh, was walking down the seashore and he was picking up starfish that had washed up on the shore one by one, one by one, just throwing them in. There were millions of them that had washed up on the shore. And this one little boy said, look at him. He's so stupid. He's so crazy. How does he think he can save all of these starfish? And as an old man was reaching back for a starfish, he looked over and said, you know what? You're right. I can't save them all. And then he threw the starfish he had in his hand back into the ocean. And he said, I, I can't save this one. And that's how I approach life. I can't save all of them. But there are individuals that we are going to save. We're going to change their lives. And it's going to have a dramatic fact, uh, effect and impact on generations to come. Violence, though, is part of everyday life out there, right? Isn't that something you have to deal with every day? How? Do you take someone who has lived in that their whole life, is growing up in it, and, and take it so that they don't see that, they see opportunity somehow, that they see that there can be a different path? How, how do you do that? Uh, we have to get people uh, in and we have to start to help them to renew their minds so that they start to think different because so a man thinketh, so is he. So we have to change the thinking process. And then secondly, we have to provide those alternatives, options, and opportunities for them so that they can take advantage of them. I believe when people are given 
opportunities, advantages, and opportunities that they may not typically would have had, they take advantage of those things and they do those things. A lot of times individuals are in predicaments because they feel like they don't have any way out, that this is just the way it is, that the cards have been dealt. And it's not until someone comes along and says, hey, things can be different. You can do different and show them that. And that's what we do every single day. And we see it in the lives of individuals who are being changed daily. Jobs. That's a part of the problem for some people. They, they don't have access to a good job, so they turn to other ways to make money. How do you work with that? How do you help create opportunity? Yeah. So it's not so much that jobs are not available. Their jobs are plenteous. Okay. The problem is a lot of people don't have training for these jobs uh -huh. and therefore they don't they can't work them. Like, for instance, uh, the carpentry field construction is a wide open field and a great opportunity for so many people. But in our neighborhood, these guys have been carrying guns and not hammers. And so they need to have the training. They need to have a place where they can learn construction and trades. That's what we do. And when they do that, then we're able to facilitate and make sure that they get the jobs so that they can live the American dream like everyone else. Last year, I had an opportunity to talk to someone who, like you, is trying to fight back gun violence. A man named Tio Hardiman with Violence Interrupters. I don't know if you know him. Uh, Absolutely. In, know him very okay. well. In Chicago. Okay. And, and so we talked a lot about what he does to try to stop a cycle of violence, to try to have people think that there's a different way to resolve something. And I know you do that, too. That must be some of the hardest work. Yeah, you know, it is because you're dealing with uh, young men most of the time who have a criminal background who have come from um, traumatic experiences and you're trying to convince them not to do violence. You're trying to convince them not to do retaliation. You're trying to convince them to handle it with conflict resolution and mediation. And that sometimes is a hard sell. And that's the reason why it's important that we have trained individuals like our violence prevention team who are trained to help people to work through the process and to help create a system to move people from having violent lives to becoming nonviolent citizens. You went to college. I, I looked at your, your background. You went to college. You went to Ball State. You went to the University of Florida. You, you, you did some uh, learning in, in, in Dallas, Texas. Why the south side of Chicago? You know, God says his best to his worst. And so I could have very easily went and lived in some plush area and enjoyed, uh, you know, the American dream with a picket fence and a, a dog and, and four kids and a wife and lived a happy life with a great church. Um, but for whatever reason, God chose me to be in this neighborhood and I'm passionate about it. I'm glad to be here. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world. I'm fully committed and sold out toward doing it. And I'm going to do it until the Lord tells me to do different. You know, you said American dream. I mean, you, you believe that the American dream can be real where you are still. Oh, without a doubt. That's why I love America. I, I, that's because uh, in America, you can become whatever you want to be. If you have the opportunities and the alternatives and the options, you can excel. And so for us, we believe in teaching people not that you're a victim, but you can be successful. You can get up. You can become uh, the, the success story of your family, of your neighborhood. You just need people to come alongside to help you and point you in the right direction and sometimes even hold your hand until you get a good running start. And that's what Project Hood is really all about. 
Some of the CEOs you've had in there are probably white, correct? Absolutely. Someone like that, is that someone who was distrusted in your neighborhood? Uh, you know, there are people, there's a lot of distrust in our neighborhood, regardless of what color you are. Um, and the reason that is, is because so many things have happened in our community to cause people to lose trust of one another. And that's part of the reason why we've lost community and we don't have community and we're not neighborly because we don't trust, not not just based upon color, but period. We don't trust the police. We don't trust the teachers. There's no trust in the house. We've, we don't trust pastors. We don't trust churches. There's a lot of distrust. But in order to build community back, we have to start building that trust back. The distrust has nothing to do with color. It has everything to do with humanity. Day 82 for you. How much money have you raised so far? Thank you. Day 82, and we're at $8 million in cash, uh, in-kind gifts, and commitments. How much do you need, do you think, to build, to actually be able to build what you want, your dream of having a community center where you are right now? Yeah, $35 million is our goal, and we're trying to do it debt-free. And to some people, they may say, why do it debt-free? Well, we want all of our monies to be focused on people and programs. We don't want to be in debt and we don't want to be enslaved and trying to figure out how to pay a mortgage for years to come. We need people to come alongside and help us if possible. So those of your listeners who are out there listening, please help us to reach our goal. Uh, you can go to projecthood.org, uh, projecthood, that's H-O-O-D, projecthood.org. How bad has it been? What's the worst night of the 81 nights you've spent so far? You know, the sub-zero nights, those yeah, are always man. tough when it gets below 10 degrees. Uh, but You're you just at a 10, right? Do you, have, do you have like a plug-in heater or something, I hope? We do. We do. But even even a propane heater, once it gets below 10, you're, you're in crunch time. So uh, we've had quite a few of those nights. Now you get a chance to go inside and shower at least, right? I mean, you don't have to be in the tent for every hour of 100 days, do you? No, I'm on the, I'm on the rooftop in the tent. 24-7. I don't go down. I'm not leaving. I'm here. So I haven't had a shower. I, I, I take some bird baths, uh, if you know what that means. And oh, so, I do. Uh, you uh, yeah, have so been outside nonstop now without going in at all now for your 82nd day. Yeah, that's right. Six, three, all 300 pounds of me. We have to, we have to do what we have to do to get this center up. And so I'm just playing my part uh, to help this community. You are one dedicated man, um, and it's, it's really something. We really appreciate it. Pastor Corey Brooks, the CEO for Project Hood, pastor of New Beginnings Church in Chicago, projecthood.org, if you'd like to help out. Pastor, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Dr. Ben Carson. What's on your mind? Black History Month is upon us. Some will attempt to use it as a tool to push divisive agendas, such as CRT or Black Lives Matter. But 
We must avoid such ideologies and remain focused on what unites us as a nation, regardless of our race. Indeed, it is wrong to assume that Black history must only involve Black Americans. Every moment of greatness in our history belongs to all Americans because the fruits of those triumphs have blessed all of us. This applies to Washington crossing the Delaware, to the Constitutional Convention, and other events not typically acknowledged as Black history. These all belong to the Black story as well. At the same time, there are both triumphs and tragedies that have been specific to the Black experience. The beautiful resistance against government tyranny that occurred at the Boston Tea Party was largely spurred by the killing by the British of Black U.S. Army soldier Crispus Attucks. Gospel, jazz, and blues are beautiful, world-unique music forms that were born out of the Black experience in America. Let us celebrate those and other such triumphs during this month. Yet, there are also tragedies that affect the Black population more than other groups. The crime rate is significantly higher, as is the prevalence of fatherless homes, sexually transmitted diseases, and discipline issues at school. On top of that, there are problems not typically seen as racial issues, which disproportionately impact Black Americans. Inflation, specifically of the gas prices and housing prices, is one such problem. High gas prices are like regressive taxation, with the working class having to pay an increasing share of a smaller income just to get to and fro. The rapid rise in housing prices are crowding Black Americans out of the housing market. As HUD Secretary, I worked to address this problem by chairing the Council on Eliminating Regulatory Barriers to Affordable Housing. Illegal immigration, which suppresses wages, is harmful to all working class Americans, including much of the Black population. That these issues are never framed as Black issues shows a failure of leadership on behalf of those who style themselves as leaders in the Black community. Those who portend to care about Black issues, such as proponents of CRT or Black Lives Matter, seem to always be silent when it comes to evidence-based solutions to address the pandemic of broken homes, crime in Black communities, or other such ills. Their only analysis of such unfortunate phenomenon is to blame them on racism without evidence, thus making these issues outside the realm of practical solutions and unsolvable. The occasion of Black History Month should be used to move past such rhetoric and agendas and make progress on uplifting lives. This is Dr. Ben Carson, chairman and founder of the American Cornerstone Institute, 17th Secretary of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.